You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones and A131 and A133 large diaphragm studio condenser mics at audixusa.com. Alan and Heath has asked us to read the following statement. Jennifer from Illinois called in with this question. On the Signal to Noise episode featuring the best roasted duck recipes, Chris Leonard said I should add two tablespoons of curry powder. Did he in fact mean two teaspoons? Well, Jennifer, judgment of any system exists in an irrational or metaphysical or at least epistemological contradiction to an abstract phenomenological empirical concept such as being. Welcome back to the Signal to Noise podcast. My name is Kyle Chernside. I'm joined by Michael Lawrence, Chris Leonard, and tonight we have some amazing guests on. This is the first time we've done this. Like we've been wanting to do this because now the guys can sit there and argue back and forth about what who does what and if they really do their job or whatnot. We have the almost the entire audio crew from Luke Combs, Todd, Michael, and Dan. So respectively, Todd is their front of house engineer, uh, NC-based mixing front of house for Luke Combs. Uh, Michael is their monitor engineer, Nashville-based cat. And my friend Dan uh, is also Nashville-based. He's the RF and monitor tech. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thank you for having us. Strong name. Michael's a strong name. I just want to throw that out. Yeah, <laughs> a little solidarity there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I know that I know that we've actually been looking forward to this chat for a while. So before we get into deep, Chris Leonard, what's the coolest thing you got within arm's reach? So do, do you guys remember Golden Years? Yeah. Oh, you got the yeah. Golden Years CDs? Heck yeah. Holy I have shit. the Golden Years CDs. I have... Uh, Burned uh, copies. Wow, eight, you were ready, eight, dude. You whipped eight, that out, eight, man. Eight discs. <laughs> <Boosting> cuts. <laughs> Yeah, somewhere I have like the PDF. Yeah, um, yeah. Someone burned these for me one time, and it gave me the PDF that has like what the breakdowns all of all of them. I honestly have maybe listened to the first disc. I've never actually gotten through all these. You don't have don't, golden ears? Is that what you're telling us? Definitely not. And then secondly, <laughs> I, I don't think I have a. I mean, what's the last time I was a bit of computer that actually has a CD drive? So Mine I, can't, has I don't two. know what to do. Send them to me. I don't know what to do with the. I don't have to do with these things. I'll rip them so, for you. Fantastic. I'll rip them to MP3 and this invalidate the entire point of. I, I have all the beach body DVDs. <laughs> Hilarious. Kyle, what do you got? It's working. Ab Ripper. <laughs> Ab Ripper. So, you got a book? Uh, yeah, I got this book. And it's one of my favorites because I love hip-hop and rap and the history of hip-hop and rap. This basically goes through from the beginnings and it has the album covers for just about everything starting um, in the 1970s till about the end of the gangster era but super cool super fun read it just kind of shows how everything uh east to west started with hip-hop and uh cool book man i dig it andrew emery um the book of hip-hop cover art so that's pretty cool uh i have a ticket i went to go see tommy lyon mixed dave matthews band in syracuse um never seen dave before And uh, it was really great to see Tommy and see what he's got going on. And it was the first time in quite a while that I was like head to audience. Uh, you know, I was like, I've been to that venue a million times, but I've never come in through the front. So we get in there. I was like, where's Will call? You know, I was, <laughs> I was kind of just finding my way um, and sitting in the house and, and uh, you know, dealing with the, 
all the things that audience members deal with. So it was it was a really great experience. I'm really glad I got to go. Thanks to Tommy for having me out. And I will say, just Chris, because I know that you and I talked about this. A couple days later, I went to go see David Morgan, the same venue. Yes. Was in town yes. with the James Taylor show. Um, Jackson Brown was opening. Fantastic show. David is uh, just a master at what he does. It was it was a really, really awesome night. So did you tell him as well. yeah. did you tell him I mixed James Taylor in the backyard for <laughs> one event acoustic? I, I, I no, but I think you game. told him that. I think you we, told we, him that we told him on the, on the, on the podcast. But you yeah. gotta keep rubbing it in every time. I, I well he's he, he told me he wants to come back on the show and do a part two and I know we'd love that. So you can awesome. tell him again. Yeah absolutely. But uh, actually it was funny I went out in the front of the house and Chrissy had a how we got loud sticker on his uh, on his setup down there, so yeah, I've I've had him on twice. How we got loud, so there's uh, at least four hours worth of listening there. But um, yeah, I ha- I had to be uh, an audience member as well. I-, I texted my wife when I when I got there. Like, I-, I bought a ticket back in July, knowing there wasn't going to be like comps and stuff like that. Um, and uh, and so I had to go and be like a normal person and show up to an event, which I don't remember the last time I did that to a concert. Um, I texted my wife to being James Taylor concert. I was like, I think I'm the youngest person at this concert. Um, <laughs> And then, like, the show got over, um, and he played, like, three, four encores, which was awesome. But then, like, you had to do the whole, like, wait for traffic afterwards. I just sat in my car, and oh, I was, that's, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot how brutal like, that was. I literally, like, was texting, you know, like, or on a Discord. I was like, you know what? I, I just want to go back in and pretend to be a stagehand for the next hour, because I'd well, rather do that than sit in my car right now. But uh, I sat in my car waiting for well, traffic that's, to move. You know what? It's yeah. funny, because <laughs> when I went... I was out... My buddy and I were out doing... I think it was Willie Nelson... Outlaw Tour, we were visiting Tyler, who we've had on the show in the past, um, and the local crew head was like, hey, do you guys want to stay and do loadout? We're like a couple guys short, and we're like, nah, dude, we want to go home. <laughs> See ya. So we left, but then we sat in the parking lot for 45 minutes, so we should have done the work call. <laughs> should have made, made a few bucks, yeah. yeah anyway, Sold yeah. real so, cheese and hip necklaces. Yeah, yeah. Our, our our trio of, of handsome gentlemen here, uh, what's the coolest thing within arm's reach? I think you can answer collectively, because you're, uh, you're technically all within arm's reach of each other, actually. I would say each other, but uh, the true answer is this door handle that is the <laughs> room that has air conditioning in it and mm-hmm. also all of our gear. But within this room, it's hot. It's hot. <laughs> this is like a vanity room, that, like a little dressing room. So I'd probably grab, you can I grab this pillow. There's a shiny pillow that when we start getting emotional, I'm going to grasp onto. Like a, it's too hot for We me should name like it. I'm in therapy. We should name it. I was going to say there's three of us. All sitting on stealth chairs, which stealth oh, chairs are pretty cool. Yeah, those are, so, those are cool. And Todd, Todd assembled his footrest incorrectly, and I always call him out on it. <laughs> yeah. I think it might be too late now. David Morgan t- turned me onto those, and we've got one at the office, and I love it. And I went to Harbor Freight and bought the cheap knockoff, and the wheel fell off on the second show that I took. I was about to say, and what did we learn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't buy a Harbor yeah, Freight I generator. Some, I bought some chairs. Yeah, I bought some chairs like that I thought looked like Herman Miller chairs from Costco, and I bought them for my studio. And then, like about three days in, the producer was like, "Why do these chairs squeak so bad?" Because like, they're they're ninety nine dollars from Costco. Yeah. Whoops! Because they look expensive. I was like, "They are not." <laughs> you guys are you guys are in rehearsal right now. So, and, and you've been doing a few shows here and there, right? That's correct. Yeah, we've been welcome doing festivals back since June ish. Is when we kind of kicked back up. So, what's the climate like? Are you guys 
knock the hmm. d- knock the dust off and everybody's doing the thing now like rain yeah i was about to say Everything i thought you meant literally rain. climate <laughs> every time i think i think let's say let's make an estimate we've done 10 shows this year and i think we've had rain on nine of them yep yeah the east coast is kind of getting pummeled right now holy cow and the yeah. one that didn't rain, it was really windy all day. So it was just one of those days. Yeah, but we were up in Minnesota. So thankfully, it was like, man, it was like 65, Perfect. 70 degrees with a breeze, no rain, some wind and stuff. So Only gig I didn't bring pants to. Yeah. Oof. Only one that needed them. Yep. Typical stuff. But yeah, we're starting this tour off in a week and a half after rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Um, jumping straight to Boone, North Carolina. Not technically a tour date, but it's uh, we're doing the Appalachian State University uh, football stadium, which is actually where Luke went to college. So that'll cool. be a pretty a ma- a massively cool deal for them. It'll be a lot of nostalgia and uh, just kind of looping. It's been postponed twice, and so we're all very grateful that it uh, finally is getting, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, gets to happen for all the people and the students that have... Um, wanted to you know have had tickets and want to come see that experience and so we're just excited that it's happening i have noticed that you know the couple shows that i've done quote unquote being back right like the audiences have been so hyped it's been just wild and you know that uh it's actually it's it's been really cool to study like the audience noise like compared to the same acts that i was working with before um they're so much louder and so much more energetic and um, it's just it's Todd's a cool... got some stories for you. <laughs> Let's hear it. He, he sends us screenshots of smart rigs, and it's like <laughs> they did what? Yeah, people are excited to be back. That's for sure. I've I've done a few shows here in St. Louis, and um, just the smiles on people's faces. And I tell you what, Union stagehands probably the least smilingest people who are <laughs> always at the venue. Are happy to be back by the stage. It is so surreal right now. Like, um, and, and knocking the rust off. Like, you forget where you're going. You like have to double check yourself. Like, things things went amazingly smooth. The other night, I did the Urge Soul Asylum and Local H at a new venue here. And once we did one sound check, it was just like old times, man. And I actually found myself smiling a couple times. I was like. No, it's great. I know, weird, right? I was like, (laughs) this thing's actually kind of fun. I remember this. Last time I saw you at that show, you were laying on the floor, so that must have been quite a roller coaster for you, buddy. (laughs) They scheduled. uh, We finally did. We finally did something over 2020. Some TV show. We pulled. We pulled the console package together for a rehearsal, and and, you know it had been eight months or something since I touched my desk, and we we went straight through 2019, straight into 2020 full tilt you know, just growth 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 just doing everything we can and wherever my headspace was in 2020 when we did rehearsals like the eight months or nine months off mentally you know just focusing on other things in life and then i got back to my console file and i was like i was out of my goddamn mind yeah i was looking at all the stuff that i did and i was like what what kind of what i was a different person back then i was like mm-hmm. i have to dig i gotta dig my head back into this space that we were in we were designing all these things and we just stopped and and it seems like every artist wrote like five new albums while we were off so everyone was releasing new singles doing cover tunes playing from their house like you guys had probably add a ton of new songs too right oh yeah that's like i mean the i got the benefit of all the television shows and we did a lot of live streams and things like that and so me being in nashville i got to be part of a lot of those and you know see my desk here or there but todd here like todd's kind of 
finally this year getting to get back to it. He, you know. Yeah, so he's like he hadn't heard half these songs, you know. I get to hear them on acoustically, you know, out of Luke's garage kind of thing. And then Todd's like, "Hey, I'm back." I was like, "Oh yeah, Todd." <laughs> hey, I don't think we have Todd's mic. Somebody's mic. Oh yeah. Dan, tech that. Tech it. Oh. <laughs> That's not a maybe, maybe it's not. not maybe I'm crazy. You can just use mine. Is that a tiny beer, Chris? <laughs> or did I'm you just grow? large? Yeah, we'll just share. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a normal can of beer. Oh, Voodoo Rangers. It was just, it was far from the screen. Well, we'll just do this then. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm still looking for the power switch for my console. Um, one day I'll find it and they'll let me mix a show. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, like Zeus was saying, um, with all the TV stuff and, you know, uh, live stream and everything like that, uh, They've had a lot more access to the band and the and the new song, so I'm playing a little bit of catch up. But we'll get there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He doesn't. Have, he doesn't have to play catch up. Technically speaking, the man is well versed in that. It's just you know, like you said, when when the band and the man go write a hundred million new songs, it's like, like I said, some of us have had access to them where Todd hasn't. You know, it's like, what is this song? Mm. At least we didn't change genres in the middle of the pandemic. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, um, how long how, have you guys all been working with, with Luke or, to, or together? Dan and I have been here for a, this is our third year there, and Todd's what? Uh, I started in 2016, so I'm at uh, five years uh, basically when he started touring. Uh, You've seen him blow up out then with, out with Nationals. Uh, yes, I, I started in the you know two to three hundred cap rooms. Um, wow. And yeah, so it's it's. <laughs> a lot of growth. Yeah, Dan and I jumped on the train and got whiplash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. It was like it, we showed up and it's like, wait, so this is the okay, this is what you do. Okay, cool. Okay, so you have that. All right, cool. We'll make we'll make it happen. And what well, was crazy story of when we all started, or when Zeus and I started, I think they hired like thirteen people that year. Like it went from a crew of like five or six to thir- to add thirteen more, so like eighteen or twenty. It was pretty big, and. We did all these rehearsals. We did all this prep. Zeus went to uh, Winston-Salem to prep at SES, prep all the rig. T- Todd was out there. And we did eight days of rehearsal, yeah, something nine, yeah. like that. And then they're like, okay, cool. You're doing a fly date in Mexico. <laughs> in a, in okay, a bull ring. Cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was on, on profiles, on two profiles. Yeah, I was on an SD, uh, SD10 with about, you know, with all the monitor channels, you know, a little, little maybe right at 100 channels running. And then they were like, you know, a lot of utility stuff. And, and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, we got this profile down in Mexico. It's a 48 by 24. I was like, uh, uh, all right, let's go. <laughs> like, a uh, lot less stuff, guys. You know, maybe one mic on everything, but you got it done. Yeah. It was a good time. Good way to get started. Make sure you can find out who's got it. Mexico is yeah, so interesting just because you can go out in the parking lot and find merch that is better than your merch. <laughs> yeah. Hey. That's funny. It's serious. It's serious, though. Like, you could find Luke Combs ashtrays and fanny packs and mug sets. Like, they yeah. they make everything. And you can't stop them, like, here in the States. You can't be like, hey, don't yeah. bootleg our stuff. You're just like, whoa, I'm going to go buy some merch outside the, tonight, guys. Well, that's funny because there was a dude out, you know, you get the, we saw the Dave Matthews guy with you know, the screen print, but it was, like, off-center and crooked and, like, cl- like it was very clearly, like, dude just made it in his basement right before the show. And I, I said to the person I was with, I was like, no one 
buys that. Never like no one's ever bought a shirt from that guy, but he's still out here, so it's, it's a pleasant reversal, I suppose. The best one <laughs> I've seen, I forget, I forget what the uh, opening band was or the the headline or whatever it was, but uh, I've got some buddies who are in the band Cherub, and they were playing Red Rocks, right? And somebody had bootlegged the merch, but they had put the Cherub uh, guys' photos and. They didn't like the people that made it. Didn't know who was who, and they put the other band's name <laughs> and made a ton of them. And so they, they had like awesome. fifty or fifty or hundred of the shirts. And so Jason from Cherub went down there and he bought all of them. He was like, he was Perfect. like, I want all of these, and he just started giving them out to everybody. It was hilarious. Crew shirts. He's like, man, I don't really appreciate you bootlegging them, but since you bootlegged them so poorly, I need these. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Dan, you had you had posted a picture of you guys rack. So, uh, looking at this, I'm curious. A couple things. Um, so, you have two. You guys are using two primary source enhancers, the 5045s. Um, talk about them and and how they're working out for you. And um, the other thing I noticed in common here, actually, with uh, David Morgan, is there you have a, a Bercasti in here as well. So, I want to hear about b- both of those. Yeah. So. I'll let, I'll let Zeus dive into that. I was just the wiring and building an assembly of the rack. But also Todd uh, has recently moved away from waves and that sort of stuff. And so he also has a Bricasti and a 5045 at front of house. Cool. So uh, Todd influenced me on the Bricasti uh, amongst most people in the industry at this point, you know, and uh, I've been in the studio, I've been using the Bercasti impulse responses quite a bit on a various different impulse reverbs. I just hadn't had one in my hand besides demoing one once. Really liked it. Todd had been using it for a while and they had one in the shop and we threw it in there and the first show on it, I was just blown away. It just was so much smoother and more musically natural than the uh, notoriously underwhelming um, Digico reverbs. Uh, they're very utilitarian. I like keeping as much stuff as I can on my file uh, for simplicity's sake. And that's kind of where the 5045s come into play is I've used PSE on the Waves format before, but I was trying to, with the uh, scale of everything that's going on and the constant addition of band members, et cetera, that I just wanted to, I wanted to keep it simple. We have four vocalists on stage, and I needed you know, a lot of noise cleanup. And I just did not feel like um, relying on a server. I mean... There's no if you do it right, it's fine. But I was trying to think what what can I take away from this system to make it simpler? And fortunately there's a Neve transformer on the ins and outs on both sides of that that kinda help a little bit with sound. But cool. they just they've just helped me really clean it up. And uh Luke is very adventurous on the stage, so he'll get right up on that drum kit, put his, you know, hand down right by the ride symbol while Jake's crashing away. And so I actually kinda ride it a little bit and just, you know, when he gets up there, I'll use that rather than a mute to dump it so that if I'm doing something, I don't miss everything. And they've just been rock solid. I was first introduced to those through a couple of my buddies that work a lot of talking head, corporate AV type stuff, and yeah, high, exactly. high profile ones where it's just, you know, they had to get these E6s just perfect. And they recommended those, and fortunately that company got a lot of those Yamahas with the plugins, and they had an extra one. I, I've, uh, I've been used, I used it for a little bit, and I was like, this is, this is the move. And uh, so then SES has provided us with enough for each one of our vocalists. And I just, I, they save my ass every night, really. Yeah, it's pretty cool. When they, the, one of the main reasons they came out was actually more for, um, <clears throat> 
for like uh, really hard scenarios like stadiums where you have like refs in the middle of a stadium arena and you got like crowd noise. You know, I, I found when playing with them, it's one of those things like sometimes it was kind of hard to tell if it's actually doing anything or am I or am I just gaining? Yeah, I feel like I'm just gaining the channel up more. And so if you happen to have a bypass, my preamp's now screaming. Yeah. So did, did you struggle finding that like sweet spot of where it's like actually being effective but, I think and not, yeah. I kind of had the same experience you did where I was like, put it in. I was like, this is great. And then one day I was like, I haven't turned this off to see what it's doing. And I turned it off. I was like, geez, nope. Back in. <laughs> End of conversation. Like, and I was like, well, can I finesse this more? I was like, nope. It's pretty pretty great where it is. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've found myself adjusting the threshold in some of these festival situations where it's a little bit more uh y around everything and just trying to find the right mm -hmm. spot. And um, I know a lot of people have used them for uh, s very soft singers, trying to get that game before mm -hmm. feedback. Uh, that is not an issue with Luke. And so it's been pretty easy to kind of set it and forget <laughs> it. But it just helps good. with that stage noise and kind of isolates the vocals a little bit. I just think it's a really good tool. What, yeah, there's what, a lot of... Uh, if you do anything in the church market too, there's a lot of... Uh, not loud speaking pastors <laughs> who use headset mics and very uh, poorly deployed PAs. And so uh, I, I do a decent amount of stuff in the church when I'm not on the road. And I have noticed either using PSE or the 5045, because we, like the church I'm at now, we use Yamaha consoles and it's on there, you know, ready to go. So I've noticed that these pastors who usually stay right in the middle because they always have bad issues you know with feedback and things like that you're definitely able to get a lot more uh a lot more signal to noise hey. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> someone, that's, someone that's that moment when you like if if there was I, video he'd break the fourth wall and look directly <laughs> that the might be the first guest to actually use that to it might be the first guest to actually use that pun Man, I, and i, I, I was I literally like thinking like the words were about to come out of my mouth i'm like no 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 ah, whatever go for it you know every time it comes up like anywhere else i'm always looking around and then like no no oh, okay never mind uh i i want to talk about the what you said about building the racks like that is something that is an absolute art form that people maybe don't think about until you try to do it and you do it poorly and you get to a gig and you're like, oh, this was a stupid decision to put this above this thing and I got to take it out and flip it or shit, this, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've seen a situation where an amp went down and they're like, oh, we'll just swap these two amps out. They couldn't fucking get the amps out of the rack because they didn't think about that when they put them in. So, like, I, I want to, there's got to be some little nugget that you picked up along the way of, like, putting all these rigs together and what, whether it's, it's cable pads or, yeah, so. 100% a Dan question here. Dan, yeah. Dan is, I, I have I have been particular in the past, but Dan takes it to another level, and he has sent me probably two dozen hand drawn layouts of the rack to a point where eventually he's like, "I don't think you care, but this is what my idea was," and I was like, "Yeah, they're pretty much right. I do care because I want it to work, but I know whatever <laughs> you do is probably the best." Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm old school. I do uh, pencils and graph paper to start, and literally, okay, nice. one block is an inch is a Analog. rack space, and then you know, figure it out. So. Uh, I am pretty particular about it. At the same time, like, I want everything fixed in there really well, but I don't zip tie everything down. That is one thing I see a lot of people do, and I understand it, and I think it rides well in a truck. But the second you, like, zip tie eight in a row of, like, you know, on your input cards or whatever, and one thing goes wrong and you're trying to unplug it, and it's like, okay, so that's a pain. So this we are on our i mean at least since i've started our our third iteration of me rebuilding that rack um and over time it has changed mainly because of like functionality of like where you actually reach stuff so mm. 
like the combiners on a PSM 1000. If you put them above your your PSM 1000 transmitters, then you're like you're trying to push the antennas out of the way all the freaking time to sync them, and it's such a pain. So I always move those to the bottom, and it's like, why have I not always done this? You know, like <laughs> just little little things like that, or um, as far as like RF jumping back and forth, like let's keep everything on one side, all the transmit on one side, all the receive on the other side, so mm. it's just easy to know. Like, hey, I go to this side to grab my transmit. I go to this side to grab my receive and, and that sort of thing. And then, man, I just, I, I try to keep it clean, but the reality is for us when we're patching, I mean, we are, we have two SD racks. So 56 by 56, the first one is full. The second one has 30, 30 or 40, or 40 inputs in it. And then we're burning every output except for about six. So that is like 200-ish connections. So having those all on one side this past year was a pain in the ass. So this year when I rebuilt it, I split them. So it's like, hey, if I need to get to this stuff, it's over here. This stuff, it's over here. And just, I don't know, it's like a... And Dan didn't even think that he... He didn't even know he did this yet. And he doesn't even know what I'm about to say. But nope. uh, I've realized in the last gig when we finally redid it, having both SD racks on the lowest place on the rack... When you tar- it's when you tarp up everything, it's really easy to keep a fan down there to keep your SD racks col- uh, cooler and not overheating. You're and welcome. Yeah, it's uh, I. I was always <laughs> See, trying to keep that's the- what I'm talking about, man. That's the good shit right there. Try- the practical. Trying stuff. to keep things. We won't find that in textbook, kitties. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I yeah I, I also found out that I really like to use cl- the clear Visqueen, and then lock my console on the diagnostics page for my engine temperatures. So that I can walk by and just check and then see how hot they're getting and how miserable they are. And so if I need to, you know, adapt. I think it was Stagecoach that we went to Ugh. and we Dust. showed up. We showed up like two and a half hours late because of flight delays and we're like panicking and going up there. And I see that they have rigged a air vent with dry ice into the back of the SD10. And I'm just like, uh-oh. And he goes, yeah, it shut down three. <laughs> He's like, I don't remember what he said exactly, but he was like, it shut down three times last uh, last night. So we're trying to just save that. I was like, all right, so I'll just be real gentle with her. <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, whatever we can do to avoid overheating, you know, those engines are sensitive sometimes. Are you guys uh, I, I, out front I had to and do the it. elements I was, just getting getting pummeled all oh, the time? Getting blistered. Uh, yeah, it, uh, we don't have as much heat protection out there. The, the time before uh, we were out there, we had a uh, what was that? That was a profile, and uh, console overheated. It was just the uh, effects engines and. Guys are trying to load new files onto different consoles that are already, you know, made it up and quasi mirrored to my show file. And I was like, no, just just let it ride. We're we're just gonna we've got a mix and we're gonna keep you know hauling ass. Um, but uh, yeah, um, in my rack, I, I also have the uh, just put the fifty forty five in today. Um, I had been on waves, like Zeus uh, mentioned. Um, got rid of that. We were on a show, a uh, pretty high-profile show here in Nashville, and uh, walked out in front of house, and all the waves had shit the bed. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> r- like, literally 30 seconds before go time. So I... Um, on in- well, after going through two restarts on the systems and the consoles... I said the hell with it. Uh, killed all those uh, inserts, 
and with the seven with the quantum engines they've got that mustard processing yep although I, although i didn't use it i just went turned on some you know <laughs> bus bus comps right there and just said here we go and nobody died um <laughs> no and it was at that point that it, i was like you know it's just another another thing to to die on you and it's not that the I don't do much. I do bus comps, and um, I've got one insert on Luke's vocal that I was using one knob driver to get that real distorted um, vocal on a couple songs. Um, they're just momentary inserts. Um, but with what's built into the console, I've got plenty to screw up. Yeah. So, you guys are both on the new 338s then? Uh, seven Quantums. Seven quantum. Um, and ours are actually retrofits. So ours are original 2007 Model 7s that were uh, sent off uh, for the up, upfit to a quantum engine. Awesome. And uh, they're, they're good. Um, I, don't, I don't have any problems with them. Um, I do like having everything in the file, you know, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got the Bricasti. Um, the Eventide 3000 hardware unit, um, Ultra Harmonizer, and the 5045, and just, oh, and oh, I did just get that, the uh, SSLG comp on my master bus, um, that was the one thing not in the console, um, so, other than that, I feel like we're, they like us enough to give us the cool stuff. Yeah, but not too much <laughs> cool stuff. Well, yeah, we're also we're also kind of like we, me and Todd are both the same way. It's like we know for a fact, you know, you know, let's you know, all things being equal, that we we were in Europe when COVID started, and we we're planning on going back as soon as everything is you know safe and proper. Uh, but we've got three shows in the UK we need to finish, and as like I I it took five months to get my fifty forty fives back that we shipped over there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they still have some of our stuff over there. We still have some of their stuff, and it's kind of like. It just got messy there for a while, and so now I'm like, well, how much stuff? You know, they they can't take my jump drive, and, <laughs> you know, and that's just carry that and make it simple. You know, it's harder to find so many things, and everything I love they cancel. So it's you know it's anything like UAD live and stuff. It's just all that stuff gets discontinued, and so keep it simple and just keep it on a file, and then you can fly anywhere, stick your stick in, and be done with it. Were you doing much with the? Uh doing Vulture Soundcheck and, and multi-tracks ahead of time to kind of get dialed in, or you just kind of uh, pick it up where you left off? Is that, here's a talk question for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I do do multi-track, and uh, it's nice, you know, day-to-day to be able to run through those, especially when you show up on a, uh, a festival date. Uh, we're working on a system right now to where uh, we've actually got an extra Cat 5 in our snake um, to where I can jump into his uh, Waves card at Monitor World and uh, simultaneously run virtual sound check through both consoles to where they can uh, check ears while the PA is running. So you have that context of a PA, you know, blowing, you know, um, air everywhere while you're, you know, making decisions on your ears and stuff like that. And this tour is going to be a lot of PA. <laughs> yes. We're doing a 360 tour is what these rehearsals Ooh, are for. Oh. And I think the math that I heard last was something around 190 boxes of Holy acoustics. Yeah. And 2,200 feet of feeder. Yes. So times five, you know, so 
11,000 feet of feeder. Oish. Yep. So, Copper. I guess I'm curious about sort of some things when your show goes to 360 show, like there are some things that we know are going to change, but are there some things that maybe you didn't expect that as soon as you started rehearsing and working with it, you're like, oh, I hadn't planned for that. Uh, you know, one of the things I think that people are not prepared for is that the majority of the speakers in the venue are now not pointed at you and still dumping sound into the room. So, so sort of the direct versus room sound is totally different uh, than, a, than a more typical configuration. So can you, can you talk about some of those things? Todd actually hasn't heard the speakers in the room yet, so he's gonna. <laughs> so now he's think now he's gonna be thinking about what you just said to him when he's like, "Oh shit!" Um, yeah, have fun. We did have fun do with we that. did do the Houston rodeo a few yeah, years the ago. Houston rodeo was and I mean that's yeah. very different. That's three sixty, and you are three hundred and fifty feet away from the closest person. So that's that's definitely Oof. different. But I I mean I remember even just being on stage like taking my ears out. I'm like. If Todd's PA has died right now, I have no idea. Yeah, it's like really, I it's cannot really tell and zero, you know, zero clue at all. But we're gonna have a lot of subs uh, in the center, you know, in a essentially like a diamond shape sort of thing, uh, and that's probably gonna be pretty pretty thumping up on deck. So, which mm-hmm. our guys like, I feel like they've, you know, I mean, I think the KSL and GSL that stuff sounds great. It sounds amazing, but there's definitely some artists that thrive off of that feel, mm-hmm. the energy on yeah. stage. And I think like our band, for the most part, is that way. There's a couple guys who don't love it, but for the most part, they're like, they, you know, they, we're on all ears, so we're doing 16 channels of ears, and or 16 mixes of ears. And so, I think like a little bit of that feel really goes a long way for people. I mean, because like Todd was saying, he started five years ago in 300 cap clubs and you better believe you can feel everything on that stage. So just as the, as this gets bigger and grows and grows, things are going to progress and some things are going to get cooler and bigger and that sort of thing. But you still want like, I don't know. I grew up playing guitar since I was 10 and there's something cool about standing in a room and just making music with people, you know? And so I feel like you don't want to fully just bail on that idea. Yeah, I know logistically it's pretty wild. I was down at the municipal yesterday and just stopped by. I happened to live about three blocks from where we're rehearsing. So I just walked down there just kind of check on everybody, see what was going on. They've got these just massive amp carts that they're flying in the air. And it's just, it's such a slick rig. It looks so cool. And it just, it's just so well designed. It's kind of uh, exciting. But then I was also thinking about from our, from our, the tech, the stage tech standpoint, uh, logistically for the 360 tour, like we, for sure we're aware of it, but we've just been so mentally focused on this idea that we're buried under the stage and we can't see anything. Mm. And so we've been working pretty closely with the video team and kind of making a plan on everything. And so the uh, over, you know, there's basically, we're taking multi-views from every handheld camera, every static camera, everything, so we can see as much as we can. But they're, they have a follow me spot system they're running and they're also gonna park, I think they're gonna park an additional kind of bird's eye view camera. Uh, up there which for me gets really exciting because there is four positions for luke and then there's four positions for background singers and the two background singers that roam around can uh they're going to have a unrehearsed un choreographed ability to choose any of those four mic positions whenever they want to sing and so it'll be kind of my job to watch this overview and you i've built a switcher into the desk to basically pick one of the four mics for the four guys and then i'm sending a channel to Todd over consent and receive over the fiber network. So he doesn't have to worry about chasing down who's on what mic. 
And so he can just take that, and we're just basically one person has to shake, uh, chase down everybody, and I'm basically I'm just going to probably increase my alcohol intake after the show, <laughs> um, <laughs> and just start. You know, I'm I'm in my mid 30s now. I might as well start getting those gray hairs and losing them and stuff like that. So I might as well just use this tour as an excuse to just you know completely stress out and. That's and Kyle's just, resume there on the top. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's the end of every show. Be like, why do I do this? <laughs> Todd, can we talk a little bit, because we'd love to ask this question about the yeah. front of house system engineer relationship. Uh, you know, kind of, what's that dialogue like for you? Uh, I can't talk about the dialogue because I did sign an NDA. Um, <laughs> Joey. <laughs> Joey. Oh, bada bing. He's great. Um, he's a, an awesome um, SE. Um, a lot of the same taste in the voicing, you know. Um mm. My background is, you know, the Thousand Cap Rock Club um, and tons of festivals, you know, and I mix pretty thick, um, you know, um, I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll say it if you want me to. Okay, my, mi- my mixes are like my exes. They got big white asses on them. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, there goes the uh, advertising dollars on this show. But uh, <laughs> we have to tag explicit on it all the time because of me. Oh, sweet, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it's it's a thick mix without you know. There's that obviously that fine balance between you know thick and muddy. Um, but when you've got a good SE that you're not fighting, um, and I, I feel like with me and Joey. And um, as an extension, the other SCs that are coming on in this 360 deal, because he's not going to be able to walk mm-hmm. the whole rig. Um, that I, and one of one of the SCs has been he he was a PA tech um, last touring year. We'll put it that way. Um, and he same same uh, mentality, um, same type of mix. It's not that. Um, Nashville thin no you know the instruments are buried and you know the vocals you know four miles out front mm-hmm. um, you know I, I think I call it the management mix yeah correct showcase <laughs> Sh- showcase yeah, yeah we or, fortunately don't have that kind of manager sorry yeah we don't have that manager and the reality yeah. is man Todd can get away with that and I try and venture out front anytime I can in rehearsals and stuff like that or just for virtual sound check because Luke's voice is massive. Like we walk to, we go into any award show, any, anything. And we're like, Hey, wherever you have the gain dialed in the truck, take it down 10. And they're like, Oh no, no. And I'm like, no, for real, take it down 10. And then they're like, okay, yeah, sure. And then they don't do it. And then we run one song and they're like, Oh my gosh, we had to drop it 15. Like it's like, it it is is massive. So Todd, has this amazing, great voice that's, you know, just huge to mix. So then he can mix this, like, big band around it, and it's, it sounds great. Yeah. Um, I, I, I won't venture to say on the on the great part, um, but I definitely, you know, we used to use the term all the time when we were opening on another act. I mean, the Luke signal-noise ratio, walking in yeah, front of the no, yeah. That's twice. <laughs> Always. <laughs> You know, everyone's we getting t-shirts that whispered all the time and you know could barely if he got within 20 feet of the pa he was feeding back and i'd you know i'd look at their front of house engineer and go hey watch this 
take my hands off the console as he walked directly in front of the bottom <laughs> hangs of the PA in these sheds. And they were just like amazed that, and we don't ring the mic out every day. He's just, he puts out that much signal. So, and uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's a heavy, I mean, the music lends itself to uh, uh, almost a everything louder than everything else type mix. Let's let's yeah. talk about the music for a second. So you said you were in Europe. How does country music hit in Europe? I mean, country music isn't the country music that our parents grew up on. It's it's more like a pop thing now for sure. But what is the reaction to country music in other places? Because we're talking about Luke Combs, man. Like, I mean, they love the, it. So Australia is crazy. Like Australia is basically cowboys. So they like <laughs> they they love it over and there. Calgary. And Calgary. Yeah. So yeah. but you like Europe surprisingly like I mean we are I, mean, I don't want to use the word term jaded but like w- he's just on this trajectory right now where he's blowing up that it's like he could you know go anywhere and it's going to Somebody's do heard well. of him. Yeah. yeah, someone's heard of him. They know what's happening but Man, those those audiences up there, I, I try and leave my ears in the whole show and stuff, and I still occasionally do the crack them open and just it's like holy cow, yeah. like they're just singing at 115 dBA, and I'm not making that number up at all. Like they're just they're pummeling the PA, and these people like all around the world are just nuts. It's the thing awesome. I was most surprised about in both Europe and uh, and Australia, and even specifically like. Berlin, you know, like Berlin and Amsterdam, it was just like, I felt like they did their homework. You know, they're like, oh, this Luke Combs, Luke Combs guy's coming, and we know a couple, oh, I've heard that song, I've heard this song. And then in Australia specifically, uh, too, they like seem to learn all the words to every song, the whole crowd. And it's like, you see the people, you know, you always see the people in the front row, they like think they know the words and they clearly don't, but they're just trying to have fun. <laughs> yeah. No judgment of that. These people were like, it was almost creepy how they all knew every word. But I think uh, Todd, I know, saw this more, more of the shell shock in the theaters on the the Europe tour before we both, jo- me and Dan, joined on. But one of those shows, so Luke is notorious for throwing his full uh, Jack and Diet into the crowd. Um, it's super fun. It's and just on these big moments when Todd's just you know drilling people with the PA, and it's just a blast. It's very rock and roll. It's cool. But like you walk out, and these people are very proper and whatever. And then Luke doesn't care, so he's just I'm, I'm still doing my thing. He just chucks this jack and coke out in the middle of the crowd and they're just like shell shocked they're like what just happened and they're just like raining down and they, i saw one guy take his hand and put it on his face and wipe it off of his face and then taste it and he goes it's really alcohol and i was like yes it is and, and the best part is his tech jd as soon as he throws a drink just walks him out another one is like all right back to square one yeah i think luke plays guitar on like nine of 30 songs we do in a night so jd who is the man and is a kill his guitar tech is also a killer songwriter and that's pretty cool because he'll actually write with luke which is great like there's a song on luke's album that jd wrote so luke is like just hey if you're good if you know what you're doing come hang come do it like he's he's a really good dude that way but man jd is like half drink tech half guitar tech and does a great job at it yeah even uh in in the airports in Europe and Australia, you know, you think he can lay low because Luke's a pretty normal looking dude. And, you know, everyone knows what he looks like here, but they started seeing him over there and they're like, that's got to be him, right? You know? And they're like, all right, there he is. It's spread here too, you know? And, and uh, but yeah, I, I think the reaction there was pretty solid. Um, 
very energetic and you know the show sizes were great and uh and a lot of time also the a lot of credit i can give to in this particular situation the last tour we were over there uh the c2c festival does a really cool job of bringing what we have experienced here in in uh, not tennessee but in the united states with country music festivals they basically have transplanted that festival series into these these other places so they you get the full festival experience it's not like one artist going in in there so after however many years they've done this they've kind of like been able to spread popular country music all over uk and now they've moved to berlin and amsterdam as well which is super cool it, it's so cool because country music is so inherently American. I, I hate to say that, but it's just like you don't see a lot of uh, German artists coming over here and, and dominating. You know, you don't see a lot of Vikings coming over and playing Viking <laughs> music for us. Like, so it, it's cool to see not that reception. Enough. Like, I, yeah, it, not nearly enough Vikings. I mean, there's a Monomarth, yeah. and that's about it at this point. Yeah. Um, it's so cool to have that reception. What about Asian countries? You guys do Asia? Asia we, Pacific? We all want to really bad, but we have not been there yet, no. Not, I'm, not I'm dying store. to go to Japan. That sounds so <laughs> Oh, fun. I love my favorite talk, place Yeah, Kyle Earth. talks about it all the time, yeah. I love sushi, um, so that sounds Oh, like it's my so jam. good. I think I would more enjoy watching our crew. Oh, <laughs> navigate <Yeah. laughs> Asian culture more than seeing the crowds because Australia was enough of a <laughs> culture shock alone watching these guys. It's just it's it we we have a good time. It's it's like a little brotherhood and there we have a good time out here and so it's it, it, it'd be more fun to watch all of our guys try to figure out Japan than probably going to do the shows. I'm just hanging with Evan. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna hang out with Evan. Yeah, yeah we have a guitar tech <laughs> who was actually raised in Japan. And so he awesome. would be the dude to follow around yeah. for sure. Yeah, his parents still live over there and stuff. Definitely. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, you know, with the C to C thing, it's it's like warp tour in America. It's about the best best way to describe it, and it's, and it's great. Um, you know, oh, they, chicken breast and hot water in a can. <laughs> um, it's a little better than little that. Better. It's like warp tour the budget. <laughs> right. oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, j- just the getting in, getting out. People know what they're doing. It, it's um, in the way they. It's not the same package that goes to every room together. Um, there's a, a mix up. Um, they kind of shuffle them around, and then it, it, the CMC version in Australia is basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it's a good time. Um, it's it's a lot of a lot of work, you know, because we're not taking our package over there we're having a, we mm. we do rentals while we're over there you know and when we were on different consoles and when i had the waves thing and just the interoperability um differences um between the consoles and setups and you know uh 50 hertz power you know with stuff it was <laughs> always yep. a, a fun one yeah i learned a lot that trip 220 or 220 sounds great through tube amps though holy cow <laughs> it sounds oh, yeah. so good it's i think so the good. best power moment for me in australia was uh it was either australia or the uk but i think it, but it, our i was in the production office with our production manager jerry sloan and and he had literally just said out loud he goes hey you can use these chargers but not these chargers for the radios these will blow up and i go <laughs> okay and i literally grabbed the charger and plugged it in 
and the transformer mm. just explodes. And he looked at me and I was like, you literally just said that, didn't you? And he goes, yep. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll see myself out. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was it was a rough trip. But uh, yeah, I, I learned a lot at in Berlin. Firstly, you know, we didn't have as much time to prep the rig as we wanted, but we brought all our own mics. We're running a little behind and I'm just a little stressed. You know, we're, me and Dan are trying to patch everything as quick as we can. But, you know, the package, they did a really good job of packaging everything very organized. But, we, you know, we're running behind and every length of cable is bundled in groups of 10 and taped together. And then the bundles are grouped together and then all labeled. So every cable has so much tape on it. So it's every cable is taking an extra 45 <laughs> seconds to a minute. And then I finally oh, get to no. our mics and every stand is Euro threaded. And so I'm over like, oh, you oh. got to be kidding me. And then I try to open that. I was like, oh, they got the little bags of Euro thread adapters. Great. And I open that up and it rips and the bag goes flying everywhere. And I've got Euro threads <laughs> flying everywhere. And I'm just like cussing up a storm. And these German stagehands are very calm. They're looking at me like I'm crazy, which I was at the time. And <laughs> I will and, say that is the first time I've had a band member on stage notice a difference in how their ears sound based on how many milliwatts their RF was being transmitted. Huh, so normally correct. we go, we normally go at 50, 50. yeah. And I think these were set to a hundred when we got there. And it was just, again, such a jumble. We're like checking through everything. And that's just far enough down the list that we're like, Hey, we've got noise. We can be on stage. Let's go. And it's like, man, it's different. Hey, it's different. And we're like, dude, it's not different. Like this is the file from home. Like it's the same. And then all of a sudden, like I look, I pull up my laptop cause I have workbench on there and I'm like, Oh, holy crap. Yeah, that's different. And then I change it. He's like, "Oh, it's all better. It's all fixed." It's like, dude, I've never heard. I've never heard anybody hear that before. And I was, I was pretty impressed. That's I don't know. really, that's really interesting. That's nuanced. I don't know how much uh, in the Digico world you guys are, but uh, I learned when you're converting a seven SD seven Quantum to an SD seven, which is what was available. You know, you have to kill some channels if you're over the count, and I killed some channels. A bunch of utilities, so we have DJs on our tour and stuff. I got rid of all that stuff. Turns out that when you kill channels, it changes the channel number, but it doesn't change the channel number in your macros. And oh. so you start hitting all your macros to fire a show off, and you know you got this one that sends click to some people, but not to other people, and these talkbacks that go to whatever. Now all your channels are changed. Your auxes are different. And all of a sudden, you hit one button, and it just literally just scrambled your whole file. And you're like, uh-oh. And so I realized that in the middle of the first song. And I just basically said, all right, we're taking this off autopilot and we're flying this son of a bitch manual. And we went in <laughs> and it was uh, not my favorite show, but we got it done. We moved on. <laughs> but I learned that lesson. I like to tell everyone that just so before they go into SD convert and start killing channels. like, Oh, I can make this work. You're going to want to go back into those macros and change mm. your numbers because it That's is not to going know. to be happy. What's uh, what's the, the onstage relationship like <laughs> when when Luke's out there performing? Are you guys is he just kind of letting you do your thing? Is he checking in with you, asking for stuff? But what's that relationship like on stage? Uh, Luke only ever talks to me if something is catastrophically wrong, um, <laughs> and that's just his personality. He's a, he's pretty laid back. He's one of the easiest artists mm-hmm. I've ever mixed for. Um, he's just he just likes a musical mix. He's a studio guy. He just likes hearing the music and feeling the energy. And uh, the thing he told me that I thought was cool is he, he said, we got, we got it dialed in really nice one day. He goes, dude, this is great. This is what I want to aim for every day. He said, it felt like I was at my own show watching me perform. And he's like, and it oh, just cool. sounds like I was oh, listening cool. to myself perform. He goes, that's what I want to feel every night. All right, cool. I can dial this in. We're good. Um, 
I think the one time, the two times, one time his ears failed and I had to change them out in the show. That was when he came over. He goes, I don't think these are working anymore. <laughs> um, and the other time he, it was so hot. I think in Charlotte, it was so hot. He sweat, uh, his he sweat, sweat through a pack. He sweat through a pack and it stopped receiving broadcast. Uh, but that was the one time and that wasn't just him. It was everybody was just drenched that day. Yeah. We like to say there are eight band members on stage and we pretty regularly say Luke is the uh, sixth most picky of yeah. those eight people. Yeah, he's, he's what, about out, what about out front? Is he coming out listening or giving feedback or just kind of letting it go? Uh, amazingly. Um, so you know, during rehearsals, I will multi-track and then kind of work on stuff, you know, uh, without the band because they're typically in small crappy spaces and stuff like that. Um, and I'll just work on them on the near fields. Um, he'll come out very, I think he's been to front of house since I've been with him three times wow um and i think some of that goes with how we met um if in 2016 early no it might have been late 20 yeah, it would have been 2015 um i was at a i worked at a club in Asheville, north carolina called the orange peel about a thousand cat plays a lot of people have been there Oh and, uh, yeah! <laughs> Were you one of the tell guys who fed me moonshine? Yeah. Tell me how you tell me how you really feel. Yeah. Holy feel cow! Yep. Oh man, I got so faded. Oh, one of the best yes. shows I ever had, but the crew was amazing. After the truck doors closed, they were like, "Kyle, come on, come to the production office. We have a meeting." And I thought it was a, a meeting. And uh, no, it was strawberry moonshine, and I got nice. faded. That stuff was delicious. Yeah, yeah we, we do have that laying around out there. Yeah. Asheville's um, beautiful, too, period. It's not bad. Um, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he, my at the time, my ex-wife, of all people, um, introduced me to him. He was a YouTube. He was doing the YouTube and Vine thing, and at the time, I was one of the production managers there at the Peel. And um, she was like, kept showing me this guy singing, you know, fast car. You know, I was like, dude's got pipes. Hmm. She's like, oh man, he's he's amazing. I was like, yeah, he's good, but uh, I don't know who's gonna come see him. You know, I mean, could pass for your plumber. Who knows? You know, um, <laughs> and, and that's you know, he, he says it. You know, he he just Joe everyday Joe. You know, he could pass for anybody. Um, but she wound up messaging him on one of those platforms. I was like, hey, you know, if you ever get to Asheville, North Carolina, you need to meet my husband. He's a production manager and sound guy, blah, blah, blah. And uh, just hap just so happened that he was in town um, visiting his parents. He had already moved to Nashville at this point. And uh, he was in town visiting his parents for Thanksgiving or something like that. And uh, so she hey this guy wants to come to show with me and i was mixing uh steep canyon rangers this night and uh bluegrass band and um they came up he liked what he heard and we just kind of connected from there and i you know kind of made not made fun of him but kind of poked at him like hey you know um before management gives you a front of house guy hey I'd like to put my name in because i do like the stuff that i've heard of yours this thing needs Viagra. Uh -huh. The mic. <laughs> the mic. <laughs> and not the mic. So. Yes. I'll page for 
yes. the mics. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, long story short, uh, I wound up leaving the Orange Peel in 2016. Uh, July and got a call from him a couple weeks later uh, to go out and do the Brantley Gilbert tour and uh, been with him ever since and uh, enjoying it you know but he's I think for for him having you know knowing what he was getting into um, as far mm-hmm. as front of house guys and he trusts me you know he, he's not he's never I can't say that he's ever been like, hey, could you try this? Or, you know, what do you think about doing this? Um, I mean, he's a really trusting guy in an, yeah. in an awesome way. Like, he, he knows he's surrounded himself with people who know what they're doing. Um, and so he knows that, man, he said multiple times, like, yeah, it's live music. Because there'll be times like, man, we're co- like for this 360 tour, I'm coordinating about 70 channels of RF when I add in openers and all our stuff and that sort of deal. And I'm just like... There's been a couple times in the last three years where I'm like, man, I, you know, I'm doing everything I can. There's a couple spots on that stage where it gets a little squishy. There's nothing, you know, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to figure it out, trying to do the best I can, but we're just, we're kind of hitting these spots. And he's never once been like, what the hell is wrong? You know, he's just like super (laughs) chill about all that stuff. And like, he's like, yeah, man, it's live music. We'll do a show. It'll be cool. We're like, all right, great. Yeah. I think there was one time that I will never get over this because I, I kind of, I kind of make up my own phrasing on it, but it was essentially the, you know, paraphrasing it. But uh, long story short is, you know, I manually mute and unmute his acoustic guitars because I basically try to land the unmute after his strap hits him. So there's not a lot of handling noise. And uh, not to throw anybody under the bus, but I was being distracted by another staff member. Um, and I missed it. Never the, me. It's never it's me. It's never Dan. It wasn't Dan. It wasn't Dan. It's it never was me. a rogue individual. Uh, and the show was going so well that it was one of those moments where you're like, oh, I can take an ear out for a second and talk to this person and have a laugh. Miss the mute. I look up there, and JD Luke's text up there, like wiggling the jack, trying to figure it out. And I'm like, oh, shit. Unmute. And I go, yeah, that was me. You're, you're good. Get off the stage. And he's like, all right, cool. And then after that song, obviously I wasn't up there for the conversation, but JD basically said that, you know, he had said, hey, is, is the guitar okay? What happened? And then I had told him, I was like, just tell him I messed up. And so he had, t- he's like, oh, no, Zeus just forgot to unmute it. And he goes, oh, that, it's a lot cheaper. For him to mess up than me to have to fix this guitar so let's go like <laughs> great <laughs> it just leaves that room for human error and that's so that's that's the guy you know it's just he's just super calm and logical and just understands that things happen and that you know that at no point we're trying to mess up you know like and so he's just he's just chill he, I, he's clearly loves what he's doing you know and doesn't want to change that mentality and not make it feel like work and that kind of that top-down mentality kind of trickles through our whole organization to a point where the, one of our techs, at some point about three weeks into his first tour with us, just kind of looked around at all of us. He goes, so I'm still trying to figure out what the catch is. And I'm like, we're all like, what are you talking <laughs> about? He's like, the catch is like, there's got to be something, right? And I go, no, that's the thing. There's not. I was like, that's what's terrifying Man. about this. Is this like, yeah, this is what you dream awesome. up so in your we, head. We haven't like, had a bunch. Yeah, it, we haven't had a bunch of uh, people that work for country artists on the show, but it's kind of like the thing throughout the industry. If you get in with an artist that you truly, like like you said, he cares about his people, he cares about just playing shows and playing live music, mm-hmm. everyone just becomes family. Like, you hear the stories of Dolly Parton waking up and cooking everybody breakfast. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that <laughs> seems to be the thing through country music, and we haven't touched on it in the show, and that's why I was glad to get you guys on, because I think it, it's like doing live sound there's so many different aspects of it and 
country as a genre is a different thing than doing a rock and roll show. It really is. And I think it's partially the whole family aspect and, and the background of your artists. For sure. Luke is definitely, like he will say from stage, like, hey, these people on the stage that you see playing with me and the people off stage are my family and I'll do anything for him. And it's, you know, he, I mean, I'll just say it. I don't care. He took care of us and our families during COVID, which a lot of other people did not do. Um, and I mean, mm. he's got a staff of when you count the band and everybody, it's in the forties. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people that work for him. And, you know, I put my kids to bed every night and when they say our, say their prayers, they say, Hey, you know, and thank you for, for Mr. Luke for taking care of our family and that sort of thing. And it's like, I know that's kind of a kind of little sappy thing to say or whatever, but man, like I could not be more grateful to be in a, in a group of people like like like-minded people who like Zeus said from the top all the way down is just like caring, loving, and literally like, I mean, you know, spent all his money to take care of us, which is pretty damn cool. So, uh, I think, it's appropriate at this point to ask everybody individually favorite place to eat on the road. Is this a specific question to a specific, like, is there a spot that you like you died or like a generalized question? Cause I have so many answers for this. <laughs> it, if, if you were going to take us out to eat and we go anywhere you wanted, where you uh, specific, uh, well, I'll start, I'll, I'll answer this in two parts. So my go-to okay. thing, is I always ask the guy at the door, like the security dude or like whoever the steward is or whatever. Is like, all right, are you from here? Yeah. How long have you been here? 10, 15 years, whatever, uh, their whole life. Where would you go get lunch if you had to go get lunch within walking distance <laughs> of this venue? And then wherever I go. And, and for the record, are you typically, are you, are you scoping the person out to make sure they're not like skinny as a rail? Like they, <laughs> they got a little meat on the bones, right? No, no, I mean, I need a little bit, they, they got a little bit of regret judgment. in there, you know, like I want them to grunt yeah, once yeah, or yeah, twice yeah. when they get in there, you know? Uh, no, what, what I haven't eight in three weeks. Man. And the other side of it too is a, a a buddy of mine, a drummer buddy of mine. He always said his go to thing is he's what he always find a sandwich shop in every small town or big town in America. Find the one that nobody thinks you, you know, like, not the one that's on Yelp and whatever. And if it's if it's Jimmy's sandwich shop and there's the Jimmy, the number one is the Jimmy. He's like always order the sandwich that the place is named after. He's like start there, give them respect of letting their 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 flagship sandwich and the funny thing is if you do that and like I, I, there's a place uh big john steak and onions in flint michigan next to the machine <laughs> shop if you drop that name people are like oh you've never been to flint i was like oh big john steak and onions on dort highway and they're like holy shit and they're like yeah that place <laughs> and then they go also what were you doing in that neighborhood <laughs> you don't want to machine yeah. shop so, so I will say, if I'm in my town, there's a place, a sushi place called Sushin. That's this little, like, hole-in-the-wall family-owned sushi place that's pretty great. Uh, that's down in Murfreesboro, because I don't live in technically Nashville. Um, but I will say... Oh, you live near Denny. Okay. I do. That's so cool. so this is very uh, kind of random. There is nothing to me like an everything bagel from New York City. There's just, like, there it's not the same every anywhere else you go. And so nope. like we were doing, we flew in to do SNL and then we, we did SNL on Wednesday and, or no Thursday and was like a dress rehearsal. And Saturday obviously was a, the show. 
So Friday, they're like, we're going to book a rehearsal at SIR. So we take all of our gear to Saturday Night Live. Then we take it to SIR. Then we take it back to Saturday Night Live. And so two miles from SIR in New York City was this like bagel place. And I'm like, I'm walking it. We have, we have 40 minutes for lunch. I'm walking two miles to get a bagel and walk back. And I bought two of them, and I was stuffed. And I don't know. There's something about that that's just my favorite. Well, it, it's all about the water. I mean, it's uh, in, in any any place that has to do with bread. It's it's the wa- the local yeah. water is yeah, what the pizza. You know, makes it. So, like, if there's like chain restaurants, they'll ship water to chain like chain restaurants to ship water to different places so the so the bread can be the same way. So it's that filthy New York water that hey, makes you know taste, those bagels the way they good. are. <laughs> Those places too, they have like everything cream cheese. <laughs> so you get like an everything bagel and then sorry, not cream cheese, schmear. They have everything schmear, schmear. that you put on the everything bagel and it's just all you could ever ask for. Doesn't even sound good. No, all it sounds the great. And minerals. Schmear. Schmear. Where would you eat, Todd? Uh, yeah, I am actually the non picky one. Um it, if it was back home there is a I guess presidentially famous um, uh, barbecue joint called Twelve Bones, uh, right there in town. Um, that uh, I guess it was Obama basically shut down the whole city to go down there and eat lunch because it was a real convoluted way to get from the airport down into this hole uh, where the original Twelve Bones was. Um, and at that point, uh, Secret Service was really huge swaths of traffic you know it was, uh 13 miles from the airport to this place and all 13 miles of the road were shut down not a rolling roadblock blah 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 um <laughs> but the, it, it is very good um uh, so is it a it rub or it's uh what kind of what kind of barbecue sauce do they do they they do the uh the uh red um you know ketchup base um but it's mostly the fixings, the sides and stuff like that. You know, corn pudding and um, oh. mac and cheese. Yeah, oh. yeah. You get fat just thinking about it. Um, and I've obviously yeah. thought about it more than once. <laughs> so um, that's a good one. Uh, I think my my road place is Canes. Is redneck as that sounds? Well, here I am. Yeah, it is good. Um, And Bucky's when you're in Texas, you know yeah. you got to get the breakfast, uh, breakfast tacos, burrito, whatever you want to call them. So. I like their kolaches. We don't have kolaches here, so I get the kolaches at Bucky's. Those little things that either sweet or savory. They have like sausages stuck in them, or like a like a strawberry jam on the sweet ones. They're delicious. Now, us being country guys, I'm going to do the, Nash- the Nashville plug here real quick, just as a disclaimer. This mm. is important information for all the travelers out here. It's like everyone will tell you to go get hot chicken in Nashville, and you should. It is an experience. But just realize that the um, – we'll do a little uh, audio thing. The, uh, the output situation uh, mirrors the input situation. <laughs> uh, so if you have a flight, maybe do it the day before your flight, not the day of your flight. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> you might become more uh, noticed by your your – compadres on the plane but yeah that's nashville hot chicken is fantastic that's usually what people shout out but it is definitely a situation to be wary of there's also a place downtown that i love called mas taco and i know you guys love tacos um and so man they the tacos are great they do a really good fish taco my favorite thing they make is they do pan fried plantains for dessert 
and oh. then they put this like Ooh. white crema sauce mm. on top of it, and it's just like it's full name. Moss Tacos. I'm, I'm ready to go to bed. Like just eating it, it's That's so good. That place is awesome. So good. I'd like to put out another Nashville disclaimer. It's much like New York and L.A. They're sold out. So if you're thinking of moving there, <laughs> Nashville and surrounding areas are sold out. So. <laughs> Unless you want to buy, <laughs> unless you want to buy my apartment for a million dollars, and you could come on down. I was gonna say, if you want to keep driving up the property value of my home, I'm not going to complain. But it is, <laughs> it is crowded. It is. Very well, luckily crowded. we we have an incredible infrastructure that can support about one tenth of it. So we're just really <laughs> living in the dream here. <laughs> I, uh, welcome to big city life. Yeah, well, I, I took the bus. Chris Leonard. Oh, look, the baby. Sorry, we're interrupting baby activities. No, no, no. <clears throat> that's all How good. How cute um, is that baby? Nobody yeah, that, can see it. No, yeah. yeah, that's a cute baby. Oh, he's been bringing it yeah. out all day. Yeah. <laughs> I love the I hair. How cute you are. She yeah. can't really say anything yet, so otherwise I'd have her say something, but she nice. can't say anything yeah. yet. So yeah. anyway. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, guys, so uh, difficult maybe for all three of you, you know, try to kind of blow through it here, but like if you guys could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known, um, how, would, how, would, how would you define that? I'll start. I've thought about this a lot because um, there's a. I've, I found a in my my personal life at least. I've found a very easy way for me to figure out what I want to do because a lot of people want to get noticed for the things that they do, but also uh, I, my inspiration is basically this: is that there's guys out there like uh, mix engineers and mastering guys like like Bob Clearmountain's a perfect example of a guy that you could probably walk into most people's you know back in the days of CDs and albums. You could pick off a CD off the wall and most likely find that guy's name in it. And so it's, but he's highly known in our industry of audio and music, but not necessarily a household name. And so a friend of mine came up with this term. He was basically saying that like the success in an entertainment industry in the behind the scenes thing is to not be a household name, but to be for your name to be in every household because of some project you've worked on or something like that. And it's not, it's never, about becoming notable and famous and whatever. And then there's not necessarily there's the people who can't use some notoriety for benefit, but like I've just like that. I've always wanted to be appreciated by the people who do what I do because that's the people who understand it. And half the time the people who are like, oh man, you have such a cool job. It's such a cool thing you do. You work with those famous people. I was like, you, and you still explain to them what you do and they have no idea. Mm-hmm. But it's guys like you and the guy <laughs> sitting next to me. Those are the people who I really want to be respected by. And so I want to leave my legacy just being respected by the peers that do what I do and, you know, just for the accomplishments of being a good person to work with and work for, et cetera. That's awesome. Thanks, Zeus. And I think the cool thing that I think some people should think about with that too is, I mean, you know, the impact that, and we've maybe touched on this somewhere, I mean, touched on how we got loud is like, the impact that we as audio people or lighting people or just road crew in general, I mean, we're just as much of uh, of creating an impact um, of that emotion that people got to spend uh, on on a show, and I think it's something to like never lose sight of. I think actually, was it was it Jason Moore who actually wrote, or no, no, it was Chris Mitchell who wrote that article, right, about that mm-hmm. like connecting kind of with the audience and 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 the impact that like seemingly thousands of people every night i mean even you know as a monitor engineer you still have an impact on these thousands of people because you affect the whole show so i i do love that aspect of like that you're still doing things regardless of whether you know know your name or not for sure i would say uh to answer that question just a couple things uh someone who 
loves my family and my friends and let's say even strangers pretty well you know just try to be cool to, to get along with and not be the guy that makes things more stressful that sort of thing uh kind of along what zeus said being you know being respected by the people you respect and your colleagues and stuff is pretty awesome and i think lastly just being remembered as someone who like if you call me to be a part of what you're doing i want to be known as someone who made it better I don't like if I can take it leaps and bounds forward. Awesome. If I can just like, you know, you've had a bad monitoring experience in the past and you have me come in to do your event or, you know, whatever, or coordinate your wireless or build the rack and patch it. Like if it was rough before, if it can just be a little bit better or a lot better, you know, for me, that's pretty important is I, I grew up in a way where I was told to always keep learning stuff like my dad is, teaches residents at the hospital that he works at and he's just constantly getting better and trying to push these people forward and so I feel that for myself you know I just want to help people take whatever they need me to do one step further in a in a positive direction yeah it's awesome uh, I, I think I would a, a lot echo what uh, Zeus and Dan both said um, you know as a parent you know I think um, your priorities change when you become a parent and you want to be that thing that your kids look up to, um, no matter what you do, um, within the industry, you know, um, I don't care about being, you know, the quote, the household name, um, you know, we brought up Chris Mitchell who lives not too far from me in North Carolina, um, who might, never mind. I'll, Tell those guys later, but uh, he may be closer to family than we may realize soon. Um, Sisters, yes, sister wife. Uh, <laughs> but um, so you know, a lot of people know Chris, know what he's famous for within the industry. You know, um, his approach to things, his breadth of knowledge in our industry. Um, you know, always want to be one of those people that always adds to any production that I'm part of. Um, I, I don't care about having my name on a piece of gear or a plug-in. Um, I, I, I could care less about that. Uh, just want to always make whatever production I'm part of better. Um, and to be known, you know, within that I'm an easy-to-get-along person. You know, somebody that, you know, oh, gosh, you look on your roster and go, oh. Crap, I have to no, share a bus with Todd. Not this no. guy, you know. Um, <laughs> because, you know, let's face it, there are those people out there. Um, and always, to you know, um, to be, albeit as weird for me to say, um, within my role and character within our camp, um, you know, to always be somebody that can be relied upon to be, a problem solver and not somebody that creates problems um, because there's too many of those out there. Awesome. Yep. Yo, awesome. I, 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 I want to personally thank you guys and Dan, especially like we've been talking on and off about this for a while. And I thought it was so cool that he was like, Hey man, I'll just bring the squad on. <laughs> like, this is kind of what we hope for, just being able to bounce it off of, with people who are all working together for the same 
goal and having you all three on the show is amazing um welcome back to the stages fellas be safe yeah yeah thanks, and man. uh hopefully we'll be able to check in with you guys again man this was super fun for sure 